What's going on, guys? This is Alex Osterley, and thank you for tuning in to Episode 9 of the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. Now, we've all heard stories of food startups that have achieved insane growth in a short period of time. And if you're anything like me, those stories leave you thinking, okay, so I know what they achieved, but how did they go about doing that? Today's guest is Lizzie Ackerman, who is the COO of the all-natural pancake mix brand, Birchbenders. And over the past two years, Birchbenders has gone from a distribution of just under 20 stores to now over 5,000. And after talking with Lizzie, I can tell you that it wasn't luck, but more smart, well-thought-out strategy that led to Birchbenders' huge success, a lot of which you're going to get to hear from Lizzie herself today. In this episode, we'll be discussing how your distribution strategy can really make or break your brand, where to focus marketing budget when your funds are limited, what tools Birchbenders uses to stay lean, and a lot more insights from an awesome entrepreneur who's practicing exactly what she preaches. I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as I did recording it. So let's go talk with Lizzie. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. So today we're here with Lizzie Ackerman, and she's the COO of Birchbenders. And thank you so much for being on the show, Lizzie. Thank you for having me. It's going to be great to talk with you guys. Thanks. So can you give us a little bit of background into your story and how Birchbenders came to be as a company? Yeah, we never really expected to be at this point. I met Matt, my husband, who's the CEO at Yale, and I was he was a math major, and I was a pre-med and history of science major, gonna go to, I was going to go to med school, and um, I finished all my pre-med classes when we graduated, except for one, so I decided maybe I'd just started, Matt and I just started dating. When he graduated, he kind of wanted to move to Boulder, take a ski bum year, and I wanted to keep dating him. So I figured, hey, I could just take my last class, and um, which was organic chemistry, and live in Boulder and ski a lot. Seemed like a pretty good situation. But Matt got a job as a waiter at the kitchen, which is this farm-to-table restaurant, and kind of had this idea one morning when he woke up really hungry and was like, man, I want some pancakes, but I don't feel like like going through all the effort of making pancakes, you know, getting the eggs and the milk and whatever flour. What if you could just crack an egg over a griddle, but instead of getting an egg, you'd get like a pancake. What if it could be that easy? So he, he kind of thought about it a little and said, hey, actually, there's not really anything like it that's like a supernatural organic pancake mix that's also easy to make, like just said water. So he shared the idea at the time with his manager at the kitchen who um, Naomi, who is a really talented chef herself. And basically he would wait tables all day, ski while he could, wake up every morning and tinker with these pancake recipes. It was a very strange time in life. There was like pancakes every single morning. He was always testing the recipes to try to make them better. We were eating a lot of pancakes. But the great thing about Boulder is that it's this natural it's really the, nat- the Silicon Valley of natural foods. It's, there are so many amazing companies like Haines Celestial, Noosa, Justin's that are based there, started there, White Wave, it's, the list goes on and on. And we, yeah, so we were lucky. We joined early on this um, group called Naturally Boulder. It's this community of all the like Denver Boulder food companies are part of it and they have social events. So we went to a lot of those seminars, early like seminars that sort of taught you how to begin to build a business. And we all also locally got into Whole Foods in 12, 2012 was like when we first got into Whole Foods locally. 
So at the time, we were selling it in jars. Oh, yeah. So I, as I mentioned before, and the initial idea was crack an egg over a griddle, but instead of getting an egg, you get a pancake. So the initial prototype of the package was an egg, which in retrospect is like crazy. So Matt shared this to me and I was like, sweetie, I think we need to like hone, like hone this in and work on this so that you're on the right track. <laughs> Great idea, but... Uh... Yeah, it's like, but uh, I don't think that's going to work. So then that um, evolved to jars. We had these jars where there was a fill line. We made the labels ourselves. We taught ourselves like Photoshop and Illustrator, super like startup things. Um, and Matt made this nerd zone in our attic, which was our office in Boulder. He like uh, nailed um, sheets around like his computer in a circle. So he was just like covered in, surrounded by sheets and didn't get distracted and taught himself how to code <laughs> and build a website. And I was the one who was trying to teach myself Photoshop and Illustrator so we could have a label. Our first label was, uh, yeah, it wasn't very good. But Whole Foods was like, these guys are onto something and we like them. And we were very hungry and eager. So we went in the store every day, like it, we were in maybe five Whole Foods stores. We would go in and demo every day and ask people what they liked and what they didn't. And people were brutally honest, but very helpful. We had one guy in Boulder be like, this packaging is so wasteful. Shame on you. And we're like, oh God, what am I going to do? It was some people like, you know, asked a lot about ingredients. So it got us very aware of what people, what were no-nos and what like, what resonated. And we finally had, you know, after a lot of work and time, we knew we had the right recipes. So then it was onto the branding. We found the great branding agency and we took our time coming up with the new logo and the new feeling of it. We spent so much time on the packaging, which I think is really important because a lot of companies will, you know, you're eager, you're hungry, you want to get in the marketplace, like, but it's good to slow down and make sure you get in, you do it right. It took us over, like over a year to really get packaging that we knew was right. We didn't launch until 2014. That's actually, compared to some of the other companies we've talked to, that's actually pretty fast. It, it, the whole process, it takes time and rushing it is dangerous because if you get into a whole bunch of stores, but it's not right, and you didn't think about the price pack architecture, and you didn't really get that exactly where it needs to be, and if the branding's not selling, and, the, and if your, your product doesn't sell, like that's it. Um, so you kind of only got one shot and we took our time to really get it to where it needed to be. So then we launched at Expo West 2014 and there was a ton of buzz. It was, we went from, you know, 20 stores to like a couple hundred overnight at, at that show was where I first met my mentor, Justin Gold. Um, I just walked up to him and I was like, Hey, Justin, I'm Lizzie. I love your brand. Like you've been, you're like the inspiration to us. Um, cause he also started it by himself at, Boulder Farmer's Market, like kind of similar story of really starting from absolutely nothing and having to learn the industry from bottom up. So I was like, hey, would you get coffee with me? And he's like, I'm really busy. And I was like, oh, I, I live in Boulder, please. And he said, fine. So we <laughs> met coffee. Take some guts. <laughs> I was so scared. He was like, you're crazy, but sure, let's meet for coffee. And what we had both thought, like had a plan for a 30 minute meeting went on to two hours and we just completely hit it off. And he was like, I really see, I see some of myself in you. Cause I, he had to do go through the similar process and just trying to look at everywhere and kind of learning the industry from the beginning. So yeah, he was wildly helpful that meeting and just basically that became a great like friendship and um, mentor student relationship. He's been so helpful. Um, one of the things he said 
early on that really resonated with me is that he said, you know, Lizzie, the easy part is getting on a shelf. That's easy. It's the hard part is selling. You have to know what's going to work where and not just try to get everywhere. You want to start local and build your com- your community, your base. Um, and then you kind of go like maybe to like a state or two away, but getting in everywhere at once, which is so tempting as an entrepreneur. I mean, that's the fun part. It's like you get off on that, but it's not a good idea. So how many stores are you guys in now? Uh, about 5,000 and growing. Wow. So is there is there anything in particular that you can think of just off the top of your head that maybe from that 200 store distribution to 5,000? I mean, that's a huge amount of, of growth in, in a matter of two years. It's, um, it is crazy. I mean, we spent a long time too, though, finding a co-packer that we'd know would be able to scale with us. Because when you get into a Target, for instance, Target has a Target is, is extremely strict about their supply chain. You cannot be a daylight, or they will not work with you. It is it's like Costco in that way. So you have to really make sure your supply chain is seamless, flawless, that everything works well. Because those guys are not as forgiving as some of the natural stores. It's it's really crazy. So we found a co-packer that we knew from the beginning would had the capability of growing with us to a certain point, and now we're adding another co-packer to help us continue. But we have an ERP system that we use to, we, we used to not use this, but um, recently I hired a guy who's this pro in operations and supply chain management. He actually majored in it. So he was able to set us up on an ERP system and it allows us to track ingredients. It tells us what we need to order when. It does projections. It, it's really cool. Um, and that's made life a lot less stressful and, and a lot. it's a lot better for your relationships with buyers and distributors because um, some of these retailers, they don't want to mess around with. They, they wouldn't have been able to work with us a couple of years ago because we didn't have this the system in place. We wouldn't have been um, reliable enough and reliable is like the name of the game. Right. And what's the name of the ERP software? So the name of it, Fishbowl. <laughs> I actually, because I'm, I'm a perfectionist, so I, and I like to be involved in everything. I've purposely asked Drew, our operations guy, to like not let me learn it because I'll go crazy. <laughs> but he's doing a really good job with it. And from what I see, it's it's it just makes tracking all of these little orders so much easier. I couldn't imagine how we'd be able to do what we do without it. Because a lot of these, some of these stores like Target, have if they don't have big warehouses. They have a ton of small warehouses all over the U.S. They place small orders. They keep it very lean. So to be able to manage, you know, those dozens of warehouses. You have to be on top of things. I'm sure there's just so many moving parts, and it's pretty impressive the the how strategic you guys were about it, and the the growth strategy that that got you guys where you are today. Uh, is there anything that you know now that having all this experience that that you wish you would have would have known when you started Birch Menders? Well, I, I've said it. I guess I said it before, but. We were lucky to be told early on to take our time, be strategic, and make sure that we have the right items in the right stores. At a certain point, data comes into the equation, and data is expensive. We work with a sales management company, and what we part of what we pay them for is them getting data for free, except it's not free. We pay them a bunch of money, and they get data, and that has been mind-blowing, so helpful, because now we can go into these meetings and be like, hey, you know, we are the number two brand in sales per point of distribution. We've got like the number one and number two most productive SKUs in the natural channel. Like it's, you can come and show this data and it's a lot more compelling. So data definitely at a certain point when you're able to afford it is is just incredible. And, you know, you can't argue against the numbers. 
Another thing is making sure to, when you set up with the distributor to deliver to the warehouses, not do FOB. And we had to switch from FOB to delivered with K-Heat. And here's why I say that. The distributor wants you to do FOB because they would rather pay less and use their freight people to pick up from the warehouse and deliver to the other thing. It's easier for them to do that. But you don't want to do that because if they're delivering to a place in Florida and then maybe another retailer in like Massachusetts, those delivery costs are going to be so different. So your price is going to be all over the place, depending on what state, and you can't control your pricing. So you might be selling at $8 when you should be, when in California, you're selling at like $4.99. It's something you don't think about, but it's so important. But if you do delivered pricing, which is where you're you're delivering to the different warehouses, it's better because you control your price. And the other benefit is that you can recognize that freight cost as revenue because you're selling it to them at a higher price, factoring in the revenue of the freight. So it makes you look better revenue-wise. Hmm, that's something that I would never have thought of. I, I wouldn't have either. That was a good. It was a good piece of advice I got early on. So, from a marketing standpoint, is there anything in particular that you guys are doing, or that you've seen success with driving that velocity and increasing that sales volume in your retail partners? Yeah, um, we've been doing a lot of Facebook campaigns with um, Target. We do a lot of recipes and we get a lot of engagement back from that. We do some coupons, we do Abata, and that's been actually very successful. And we recently hired a PR agency. It, It kind of felt like the right time. Not cheap, but it is important. We also, you know, one thing that we do, one tool we've been doing is um, cross-promoting with other brands. So we, um, you know, we like recently posted a cookie recipe with um, Little Secrets, who we're friends with. They make awesome, like think M&Ms, but using natural ingredients for the colors and flavors. So that's been effective. So has Facebook been the most effective social media platform for you guys? Yes. Um, but Instagram is one that's growing quickly and I see more content created, like original content on Instagram, actually, even though we have fewer followers, we get so many posts where they tag us of like, uh, generally it's the paleo and the protein flavors, the trendy ones, but, um, there's a ton of like unique creative content that we get and that we're tagged in. So we're really working on growing our presence there. I think Instagram's, it's really fun to like you know, look at your hashtag and see all the like the stuff that people around the world of these like crazy recipes people make. It's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 fun to see and it's fun to just engage with that that core core consumer base that that's obviously excited enough to be sharing it on social media. So, from a how, do a majority of your sales come from retail or is it a bulk coming from online as well? Definitely, vast vast majority of retail. Um, we are working on getting set up with Amazon direct and that's going to help a lot and we're doing white box too but at this point retail like the brick and mortar retailers are have been where it's at for us so if if somebody is to discover you online say via social media as a first point of awareness are you hoping that these people are going to go and buy your store your product in store so it boosts that relationship with your retailers or is it more of a benefit for them to buy it on the website and you get that higher profit margin definitely in stores but we're happy for them to buy on the website. Like they want to buy on Amazon, great. But in stores is absolutely, it's, it's so competitive, like shelf space. So it's getting those in-store terms is so important um, because the buyers spend all the time trying to find the weakest link and remove it and get the next best thing. So stores, definitely. 
And so, okay, to that point, too, I, I guess this kind of goes back to the question of how you went from 200 stores at, at Expo West in 2014 to now 5,000. Were you, was that cold calling? Was it going to every trade show there was? It was, it was, there was a total turning point. It was when we went from that larger size that was, had the eggs and it was too expensive to when we went to the 499 pouch inspired by our Kroger meeting. It like suddenly took off. We were doing okay with the larger one, but it just wasn't going to, wasn't quite right. And there was some price resistance. So we made a slightly smaller, it still looks just as large, but went from 24 ounces to 16 and boom, we started selling. It was all about the getting the price pack architecture right. Then we just started getting demand from stores. We started getting really good numbers in Whole Foods. We focused on growing in natural before we started adding more mainline conventional grocers. Um, but yeah, we we really started taking off then and got brokers who started pushing it into regional retailers, some of the smaller ones like that do high volume, like Central Market, Bristol Farms, places like that. So we, we really, it was getting that size and the price right. And so what was the strategy behind going and trying to really saturate the, the natural food stores before going into the Kroger's and the Safeways and, and going a little more big box retail? It's a strategy that we've seen be effective time and time again, basically starting with the natural stores, the high volume natural ones like Whole Foods and Sprouts. And then once you've kind of saturated that, you go onto mainline. Because if you look at, we've seen with other brands, um, some of our competitors who started in the conventional stores like Kroger's and Target, Whole Foods often is not going to be as interested because they don't see you as a natural brand. Whereas if you start as a natural brand, then once you're in all the Whole Foods, then it's okay to, they understand you moving on to the Kroger's or Target's or Safeways. But if you've made your start in, um, in a more conventional retailer, it's difficult for them to see you as like an innovative, disruptive, natural brand because you started in a different way. But also another reason, natural is more forgiving much more forgiving. So Whole Foods had our jars way back when, then they had the big pouches and then they even, and then they had the final, once we finally got the product right, they kept that too, at least the Rocky Mountain regions and actually NorCal and SoCal. They, they put up with earlier versions. Kroger doesn't do that. You need to have the product completely honed in before you present to them. So starting with a Kroger and you can't, it's not the kind of store where you can experiment on new versions, they might not they might not be so patient about that. That's not really what they're known for. Um, whereas Whole Foods is known for being innovative, supporting local, and they're a lot, lot, lot more forgiving um, in the, about brands growing and, and being patient with you and helping you um, to grow. I mean, for instance, we, after several years working together with Whole Foods, we um, went to a meeting with our Rocky Mountain buyer and, um, and he said, hey, I want to develop, I want you guys to do a paleo flavor. And we said, that'd be awesome. And he, he said, you know, I want a 90 day exclusive and then you can get into other stores. So they're like, they like partnering on, in terms of innovation and helping young brands grow and do better. And now, you know, our paleo is the most productive pancake skew in the natural channel. It sells the most units per store per week more than any other skew. So they they know they've got a good eye for trends like that. So when it comes to, it sounds like you guys have pretty good relationships with the Whole Foods buyers and, and all of the buyers. 
that that you've worked with to innovate on your new products is do you guys have a system as far as maintaining and enhancing these relationships with buyers um no no it's just really there's reviews uh there's category reviews like sometimes once a year sometimes a couple times but we talk to our buyers a lot more than just the category review and target also i should say has been incredible an amazing innovation partner they're they're a little different from like a they they carry a lot of like really cool natural brands now and are taking on more and more every day it's really changed a lot and maybe also because their their buyers are are much younger than um most of the than many of the buyers it's like the median age is like 28 or something and we've developed two seasonal exclusives with them that was really fun so they've also yeah they're unique category of their own really there's no secret just constant open honest communication and regularly checking in to make his, uh, make sure things are going well and if they're not what can we do to make this better being super open to their ideas so we can all succeed and gain the most from it well it's really interesting to hear your your success story coming from it at a really analytical standpoint and i'm sure your your and your husband's education and background in science and math has really has attributed to that a ton um and i'm sure everyone who listens to this interview is going to have something to take away from it uh just out of, out of curiosity is there anything that that you or your husband uses to help you with productivity i use evernote constantly so i'm always writing notes like down all like random ideas um this is a simple one but we just make sure that we have uh, like our calendars are shared across we have like I've got a million calendars one with just Matt and me and one with like Drew and we've got all these different calendars meetings and flights everything is shared so everyone knows what's going on and no one's freaking out and confused that's a simple one but it is important I actually use Simply Rain a lot yeah white noise like actual white noise um sometimes working out um in the middle of the day can make the rest of the day, the day a lot better. And I, I guess the, the other thing is I, I'm totally like crazy about, I track everything. So I've got this like spreadsheet I made where I track every store in America, how many locations, what which ones are we in, what distributor or is it direct, who's the buyer, who's the broker, who's the sales rep, is it natural or conventional, and then what, exactly what SKUs carry us. It's like just this beast of a spreadsheet, and it's made my life so much better. Of like, when's the last review meeting? When was our last contact? When's the next review meeting? What's our strategy? Things like that. I kind of meticulously track, and it's made, it makes me feel organized and like a lot more sane because before going sifting through like millions of emails to try to find out what's the last thing, when's the last contact you had with Safeway Denver or whatever, can just take up time and drive you crazy. So instead, I kind of made this big spreadsheet. It took a little while, took way too long, but whatever, it's so worth it. It's so nice to be able to know exactly what broker you need to be CCing on the email to what store because we work, our broker is huge and there's thousands of them. So I just, I, I know who's works with what account and keeps me organized and sane. And I know what we've talked about the last time we communicated. So I also have like an agenda for every day. Like there's just, I'd like to list down a couple of the things like I absolutely need to do. So you don't get too distracted on something, something else when you know you have a certain objective that has to be filled. Perfect. So last question, what is a good book that you've read recently or in the recent past that's, that's really helped you to do your job better or change the way you're thinking? Yeah. Never split the difference. 
by Chris Voss. Oh my gosh, this book is a game changer. It teaches you how to, he was an FBI negotiator, um, like the top one in, for years in the US. Um, and he basically teaches you how to get people to get your way. It's really amazing. He, I'm trying to think of my favorite things. He, he, he just teaches you a lot of verbal tricks, which I, I use. I use these all the time. But like, you don't want to just say, "Hey, this ha- like I want this. This is what we want." You want to make it seem like it was the other person's idea. You want, um, te- like he teaches you sort of how to. Oh, starting with a starting interviews with questions, like engaging the buyer, and not just saying, "Hey, this is my agenda. This is what I want to accomplish." Me, me, me. Get like get them to talk about them and how is it this beneficial to them, um, and listening and starting questions with uh, phrases like "It seems that" instead of "I want," or and asking you know the the what and how questions, not like when and why. There's a million incredible things about this book, but it really it teaches you how to listen and how to intelligently negotiate so that they, in the end you get your way, but. It seems like that was their idea. Totally worth reading. Really cool. Well, I will definitely link that up in the show notes and we'll be reading that myself because that sounds like a, a really helpful book for not just not just food and beverage entrepreneurs, but for anyone in sales or in negotiating. I've recently used it to, um, I had to take this guy to small claims court, which I've never done before because he didn't too much fence. But anyway, I, instead of the night before small claims court, I decided, you know what, I, I just want to settle with him. So I said, I'm, I'm sorry. That's one of the things he suggests. I'm sorry that for your situation, it seems that you might be able to come to an agreement that things like that. How do you feel about blah, blah, blah. I get a text back and he's like, going to pay me back in full. It's incredible. And that wouldn't have happened had I not um, been receptive to him and his needs, not just me, but make it seem like I make it, seem that I'm, I'm listening and I understand his situation and I care. Can we come to um, an agreement? How would you feel about blah, blah, blah? It's so much better than just going on to constant attack, which so many people do, and that doesn't work. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie. And it's been, it's been so interesting getting to hear your insights into how you've used data and analysis to, to build a really successful company. And I've a, I have a feeling that pancake mix is going to be the very the very beginning of your empire. <laughs> Hope so. We've got lots more ideas. So, where can people find more about you and uh, Birchbenders? Um, on our website on birchbenders.com or and uh, yeah, keep your eye out for a way cooler version. I'm pretty excited about it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Lizzie. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to Food Marketing Nerds. If you guys are enjoying the podcast or finding any information helpful to you or your business, we would really, really appreciate it if you could take a quick second to give us your honest feedback in a review on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in and I will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com.